Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. As Andrew Robertson approaches his 20th anniversary as president and CEO of BBDO Worldwide, the world is changing faster than ever. When he took on the role in 2004, Mark Zuckerberg was creating Facebook in his Harvard dorm room. Fast forward to today and the ad industry is contending with the rise of generative AI, ongoing media fragmentation, and ever-changing consumer habits. But for Robertson, the core of the job remains the same, to create iconic ideas that resonate with consumers and drive them to take action. In this episode, Robertson also shares his views on why advertising has been missing a much-needed dose of humor in recent years and gives advice on how to stick with an organization and rise up the ranks in an industry known for job hopping. I'm Allison Weisbrot, Editor-in-Chief of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Excited to chat with you. So you are coming up on your 20th anniversary as the CEO of BBDO. What for you has really been the most significant change about the, the industry over that time? And what do you feel like has really stayed the same? I think the 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 obvious thing that has changed and continues to change is the impact of technology on media, media consumption behavior from consumers, and therefore the kinds of content and the kinds of experiences, the kinds of work that we need to do. Um, if you, I mean, like if you go back 20 years, it's, it's a long, long time. Um, and a the different world, world. It was a very different world. And, and it wasn't just a different world. It's changed several times since in, in very big ways. Uh, you know, if, if you go, if you go back yep. 20 years, the, the, you know, the internet was in its formative era. If you go back 15 years, the iPhone launched, the introduction of smartphones changed everything yet again. If you look at what's happening at the moment with with AI or what happens, uh, is happening with the metaverse, it's changing again. So, so all of these things, you know, in the end, our job is to create experiences that change the way people think and feel and most importantly behave to build our clients' businesses. That hasn't changed but the world in which we have to do that, the, 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 the nature of the experiences we have to change, uh, of the experiences we have to create, has obviously changed a lot. What hasn't changed is, I think, two things. The first is the real value of the most powerful work that when you look at the thing that makes, that has an exponential impact on the efficacy of the work and the and the return that clients get from investing behind that work, um, it is still the ingenuity and creativity that that goes into it. That hasn't changed. And the second thing that hasn't changed is the and it's connected to that first is the impact of really smart, creative, intelligent people who are, are capable of spotting connections that other people haven't seen before, spotting opportunities that other ha people haven't seen before, and inventing experiences that other people haven't invented before. So it's it, the job is the same, but the tools to do it have changed massively. 
Yeah, I think that I, that's a good way of describing it. You know, I'm, I, I'm here to help our clients build their businesses. The way we do that is by creating work that is more compelling, more effective at changing uh, their audience's behavior. And But the tools that we have to do that with have uh, are changing every single day and have changed massively, massively over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can remember in 2004, which was the year I took over as CEO, we had a, <laughs> this is so, this still blows my mind, we had a network conference, a global conference in LA, uh, and we chose to have it in LA because at the time, the big topic on everybody's mind was um, the intersection of of marketing or advertising and entertainment. And it was all about, you know, uh, what was it? Where Madison Avenue meets, whatever it was. And uh, we so we thought LA, that's the place we should go because this is the thing that's happening. Uh, and we gathered everybody together in LA. And at, at the time, um, MySpace, was, MySpace was just booming. And we spent a lot of time talking about what we could learn from MySpace and what it, what it meant for us and for our business. And literally, while we were having that conference, Mark Zuckerberg was sitting in his dorm at Harvard inventing Facebook. So, mm-hmm. so even when you think you're on top of what is changing, you're almost certainly not. And, and all you can do is, is concentrate, focus on two things. One is being, learning to be able to move and adapt fast when you have to. And secondly, observing what consumers, what the public, what people are doing, where they're spending their time, how they're spending their time. And when you start to see really significant shifts in that, rapidly moving towards that space. Mm. Because if, in my view, if you, if you try to predict everything, there's a pretty good chance you'll get it wrong. Right. Whereas if you observe things, you can get it right. Right. It's that balance of sort of not getting ahead of your skis, but also being ahead of the trends, right? And and not over-investing. But- yeah. And I, and I think, you know, the reality is if most adoption curves have a flat bit at the bottom and then a very steep bit and then a flatter bit, that's what adoption curves look like for nearly everything. And what you tend to get is an awful lot of noise, attention, conference time, et cetera, et cetera, is focused on lots of things that are on that flat bit at the bottom where they're, they're really interesting and exciting, but it's still too early to tell whether they're going to be very important or not. You have to n- not get overly seduced by that noise, but really watch what people are doing. And as you see them going up that curve, as you see the adoption starting to rise and you see it measured in days, well, sorry, not in days, but in millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions and you know, minutes and hours, not not seconds. That's when you have to leap onto those things because they're obviously going to become really important to our clients. So I think right now the adoption curve slash hype cycle is all about obviously generative AI, right? That's what everyone's talking about. It's, you know, regardless of whether they really know what they're talking about or how to how they're going to apply it to their business. Talk about BBDO's approach there. I know you had an interesting um, take, you know, when all of the companies were sort of jumping on the bandwagon, you took a more cautious, like measured approach um, to how BBDO is embracing. Talk about your your philosophy. Yeah, the, so the philosophy 
and then I'll and then I'll talk about the practical bit. <laughs> the philosophy is straightforward. Um, we should automate everything that can be automated in order to free up the capacity, the resource to concentrate on the things that can't. And, you know, I started this by talking about the importance of imagination, of insight, of ingenuity, of intelligence. The, these, are, these are really important things that we need more of, more and more of every single day. And the way we can do that is by freeing up time and resource, by moving work that can be automated to be automated. So, so our, we, I love it. I'm very excited very excited by everything that looks like it's coming and is coming because I see it as a huge effectiveness play. I see it as an opportunity to do better work that generates better returns for our clients faster. Uh, and, and all of the elements that go into that and all of the you know tools and platforms that we'll use that you can see them emerging now, and I, so I, I think um, I think it's tremendously exciting. I think it's tremendously important for the business, but but crucially, I see it as an effectiveness, not not just an efficiency opportunity. The second thing is in and so what we're encouraging our people to do is to experiment as much as they possibly can. But and the and the word of caution that we put out was be careful because there's a lot of this that is as yet unclear in terms of ownership of intellectual property and copyright. And do not put yourself, more importantly, your clients in a position where they could be exposed to a big problem uh, without getting a legal opinion first. That was, that was, the, that was the kind of break that um, we put on it whenever it was five months ago, I can't remember when it, whenever it all started, because there are, there are real risks, there are bias risks, there are all sorts of risks that we need to not just be aware of, but make sure that we manage as we start to take advantage of this. What's, what's obviously happened now, well, not now, it's been happening for the last few months and arguably for months and years mm. before that is we're, we're, we're taking a very, uh, the Omnicom is taking an Omnicom approach to the development of all of this. AI, generative AI, is being integrated that we got from um, uh, that we got from a partnership with Microsoft into Omni, which is our research analytics and uh, and workflow management platform. And there are about I think t at the last count twenty six or twenty seven other programs being worked on that will be used by all of the agencies and all of the people in the agencies, depending on what job they do. For the moment, the thing I am most excited about is the ability to shorten the gap between having an idea and executing it. And uh, in particular, our ability to generate visual imagery and increasingly video imagery um, in minutes or seconds uh, rather than weeks and to do it for dollars, not for mm. thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And to me, that just unleashes so much potential for true creativity that we haven't had in the past, you know, that, that you couldn't always, you might have a great idea, 
you might decide it would be really fantastic to have to have a polar bear skating around in Rockefeller Center with a can of Pepsi. But like that's a fun image that I can just describe. Now we are now in a we're now at a stage where we can literally create that image in minutes and where you could create not just a static image of that happening, but a video image of that happening, and then add some music. This is all possible. So the idea is, again, no longer constrained. The creativity is no longer constrained by the constraints of execution and production. So that gap between having a great idea and bringing it to life is collapsing. Time and time and money, and I find that, and that's frankly where I see on the creative side of the business. That's where I see the you know the big effectiveness multiplier that I that I think we can leverage for our clients. There will be uh, you know there are lots of applications of it that are going to make our daily lives faster and easier. I'm sure there's all of those mm-hmm. things. It's going to be it's going to be much easier for us to analyze data on audiences and purchase and right. behavioral patterns, all of that sort of stuff is going to become faster and easier for, for us to do, which again yields at least the potential of an effectiveness play because you're going to be able to find things that we wouldn't otherwise have been able to find. Right. Um, so so I'm a, I am very, very excited about where it's going. My caution is only to do with the landmines that we could unintentionally stand on in using it and just making sure that everybody protects themselves against that. Right. Right. And I think, you know, what your point about the speeding up the creative process, although I don't know if uh, Coca-Cola would like it very much if Pepsi started using polar bears. No, that was, that was why I deliberately chose a a polar bear. I I want Coca-Cola not to like it. (laughs) Okay. Well, there you go. Um, But to your point, like BBDO, so much about the creative process is changing. BBDO is one of the most storied, cr- largest creative agencies in the world. Your your slogan, your tagline has always been the work, the work, the work, right? So how do you kind of see the work in this context changing? And then also the people who create the work, what are you sort of envisioning for the, for the creative workforce as you look towards, you know, perhaps the next 20 years of your career as CEO? <laughs> well, as I as I said, you know, my story about MySpace and and Facebook is a really good example of not really trying to plan for twenty years. <laughs> but I but I but I can tell you what I can see for the next okay, two or that's three. Fine. Um, and and I you know it, fundamentally, it's what I was just talking about, which is the opportunity to really unleash truly creative minds onto work and execution of that work because the barriers to making it happen are disappearing. Mm. The barriers in terms of time and money are disappearing in terms of bringing those ideas to life. So what I see is, uh, is truly a, you know, a, a golden era for, for creativity and, and creative people, people who are capable of inventing ideas that are going to stop people in their tracks, of creating experiences that are going to make people feel positive and rewarded and excited that in turn are going to generate disproportionate returns for the clients who are behind those experiences. This, The amount of time that creative people will spend 
bringing ideas to life versus having ideas is going to that that's going to flip mm. the relationship is going to flip and that is i think you know i think it's at the key it's at the heart of a a true creative renaissance it's a it's a new chapter in what in, in what creativity means because we call it the work the work the work it doesn't matter until it exists in the real world in front of an audience or or surrounding an audience mm. it, it, up until that point it's irrelevant i mean it's interesting but it doesn't matter until an audience can actually interact with it and if you look at what's happened over time and we're i think at a moment in time where the step change is going to be extraordinary what we've been able to do is make it faster and cheaper to get work in front of audiences but this is going to change that in a way that we that we've just never imagined Right. So one of the things that you've been pretty vocal about in the past few years since the pandemic is just the quality of creative work um, and how it has sort of, you know, it had declined a little bit. I know you talked in Cannes about humor and bringing that back into um, creativity a little bit. Talk about do you feel like the quality of the industry's work has improved over the past couple of years since the pandemic and what what needs to happen for it to sort of get back up to, to where it was? Look, I think if you look at Cannes this year, I was encouraged by um, a couple of things. One is that a lot of the work that won the most brightly colored metal was work for big brands doing big things. Um, which is what I think we should be looking for in, in in these kind of festivals. And the second thing was there was just the vaguest hint of a glimmer of a resurgence in humor. And my my obsession with humor is not because I am obsessed with humor per se. It's because the data is so compelling, so compelling on how powerful it can be in persuading people to attach themselves to individual brands and businesses and, and on changing their behavior. The data is just mind-blowingly clear. Well, what is the data? Like, what are some of the stats that stood out to you? Oh, uh, I mean, I can I'll, I can get you some specifics, but if you look at the uh, a lot of the work that's done by Ace, was it called Ace One Metrics? We'll get this to you. Okay. On all of the commercials that they've researched, the percentage of them that are, that are rooted in humor is just uh, is just way higher than you would expect. Here we go. Okay. Humor is, this is according to uh, Oracle, the Happiness Report, and Kantar, Kantar, the research company, right? Humor yeah. is m- more memorable. 90% say they're more likely to remember a funny ad. 90% of people say they're more likely. It's more distinctive. 11-point 11 11 increase on the Kantar link distinctiveness measurement for humor. It's more recommended. People are, are 80% of people say they're more likely to recommend a brand that has made them laugh. It's more desirable. 91% say they want brands to be funny. It's more persuasive. 72% of people say they would choose a humorous brand over the competition. And then I added one, which is it's more humorous. That's just a fact. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the data so the data been, is there. The data is there. And, you know, we've just... And the data, what's interesting is a lot of the reasons that are given for not using humor 
the data doesn't support. So, you know, understandably, there was a lot of anxiety about feeling sounding tone deaf or whatever. But actually, there's data that shows that people enjoy and respond to uh, funny work just as much in difficult times as they do in less difficult times because people need they need that feeling that feeling is a very positive feeling. anyway i've gone off on a bit of a tangent about humor but only because i think we can sell more stuff for our clients if we get back to using it more mm. um i think that i would say that if i look at the work being produced around the world and i'm not just talking about bbdo but this is true of BBDO, is, is definitely true of BBDO as well. I would say that the overall quality has indeed improved in the last year versus where it was the year before. But I still feel like we are not seeing enough of those mind-blowing, breathtaking ideas, campaigns, programs, activations, where you, where you just – where just, you know, um, the test I would give it is the things that win 30 lions because everybody just loves them so much and they're so unexpected and so special and they're, in, and they're able to be entered in so many different categories. We haven't seen those come back to where I think they were in 2019. And I think, and I, you know, I may be alone in this, but I'll keep saying it. I think it's because... Uh, people aren't spending enough time working together. And David Lynch, the film director, has this fantastic line. He says, an idea is like a fish. You can't make a fish. You can only catch a fish. And I think ideas get caught and improvements to ideas get caught. Uh, they get caught when people are, are together working on them. They don't get caught when people are on a screen and they – leave meeting because when you leave meeting it's gone so i i believe that as we start to see around the world not just us but other agencies more and more people coming back and spending more time together in agencies that more ideas and more improvements enhancements and additions to ideas will get caught and we'll start to see that happen and the reason that matters is you can say, well, mm. so what? It, you know, we only if there's only six of those a year in the whole world, what does it matter? It matters because it raises everybody's ambition and it raises everybody's eyes as to what is possible. And that ends up raising the, qu the quality of the work across the board. That's why it matters. Yeah, I think, you know, definitely – to your point, being together is something I hear a lot from creative leaders that makes an impact. But what do you what do you make of um, just the nature of how creative work and ideas are consumed these days? Like there's a lot less opportunity to have that really impactful, you know, hero ad that everybody sees at one time. And it's more of these smaller activations in, in different channels. Do you think that impacts quality, not necessarily impacts quality, but impacts the way we have to evaluate quality? I, am, I, I think you need to distinguish between quality and definition so, or resolution. I think you can have high-resolution quality and you can have low-resolution quality. 
And the two often get conflated, right. quality and resolution. And, and I don't believe they should be because I think you can create magical work that is low res and magical work that is high res. And what we need today is both. We do need the high res work and we need lots and lots of low res work. But I think it's just because it's low res doesn't mean it should be low quality or lacking creativity. Because what you see is when it, when there is real creativity applied, even to low res execution, you get a much more significant response. The, and the delta is not like five or ten percent. The delta is three x or four x. So again, coming back to the conversation about how AI is going to help, it's going to make it possible for us to spend more time creating more really compelling work, even though the resolution. Yeah. maybe lower. And that I think is, you know, that's, you know, that's the big opportunity of the moment. Right. So, um, talk a little bit about, um, what you're seeing from clients right now. I know it's been sort of a patchy year for, uh, agencies in general with, you know, tech clients pulling back a bit, other clients investing in their brands. What do you see overall in terms of like your clients wanting to invest in brand building and in creativity? Do they, are they valuing that right now? I mean, I think, uh, I would say there are two points that I'd make. The first is that, um, most of our clients are really focused on how to move their audiences to behave in a different way, how to, to, create and capture more demand. And what consumers expect today is effortless, seamlessly connected, magical experiences at each step of what are increasingly non-linear purchase and usage journeys. That's what, that's what people have learned to expect and that's what, that's what they want. And the challenge for most of our clients, for all of our clients, is how do you create, how do you identify what all of those possible journeys are? How do you identify what the needs of each of those audiences are? How do you create then and deliver at the right moment those magical experiences at each of the points which each of those audiences may or may not move through depending on the moment? And obviously for, for clients, that is something that has been getting more and more complicated and complex and what clients are definitely looking for is ways to yes keep it magical but also to find a way to do it with greater simplicity and um that is you know that saves them time and money that they don't have an ever-increasing supply of so you know they're, they're just more and more things that they have to figure out how to do, but the amount of time and money and people that they have to do it isn't going up. So, so finding ways to provide those solutions, real solutions that are building their businesses is the thing that clients are looking for most. The second thing I would say is that um, I think there has been, that there is a, a kind of noticeable shift happening in many categories to really recognizing the importance of both capturing demand but also creating it. I think, uh, if, you know, if you talk to 
some of the platforms and things, they'll say we we spend a lot of time getting really really good at catching cat capturing demand, but we need to put the same emphasis on creating it as we have on capturing it. I, I see that happening, um, you know, across a number of categories. So is that more about building awareness then? Uh, yeah, um, awareness is a big part of it. Um, uh, it is one of the biggest drivers of, of demand that there is. So yeah, that's part of it. But but it's more than that. It's about it's about positioning. It's about building consideration. It's about building desire. Um, uh, not just not just capturing demand that is already mm-hmm. in the market because uh, that's really you know in the end that's you, that combination of creating desire creating demand and capturing demand is what drives growth long term right right so we've been we've been talking about a ton of different uh you know technological business sort of seismic changes to the industry how do you see that impacting bbdo's workforce whether that's um you know do you see ai leading to like different creative roles or a smaller workforce do you see um, you know, different types of talent that you need in the organization now? How are you looking at the overall mix of who you need to bring into BBDO in this, in this era? Well, it, look, it's in, a, it's in a stage of permanent evolution and flux. But I think what I would say is um, I look forward, I'm going to want to have even more creative firepower than I've had in the past. I'm going to want to have even more brilliant, strategic, insightful, planning people than I've had in the past. And I'm going to want to make sure that I've got people who really, really deeply understand their clients' businesses and where the levers are for strengthening those businesses. I expect that over time, the amount of work that is taken up in, as I've said, in moving from having an idea to executing the idea is going to decrease. So some of some of that capacity is going to go into having ideas rather than bringing them to life. Uh, I think most importantly for us is really, really having our people, giving them access to training and tools that are going to enable them to keep developing their own skill sets and taking advantage of everything else that is out there. Um, uh, if they want to, um, you know, that you can't, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But we are, we're putting a lot of work into having scalable training that our people can take advantage of to make sure they are constantly learning about the things that are going to be more valuable to them and us and our clients moving forward. Um, so it's, to me, it's, it's partly, if I look at it over time, it's to some degree, it's about bringing in different types of skill and different talent. But, but, but much more than that, it's about scaling capability, skill and talent development. Mm. Um, because I, I think that's how we can be of most use to our clients. Yeah, we've talked about your um, focus on learning and development in the past. I know during the pandemic, that was a big focus for you. Um, how are you approaching that now that people are back in the office more? The useful, the really useful learning from that pandemic experience was how valuable it is to put the emphasis on scaled rather than small scale training tools. And so I, we're putting, we're continuing to put the real emphasis 
on scaled learning that hundreds or thousands of BBDO people can take advantage of rather than, you know, 10 people in a room for three days. Um, because when you look at the impact that that can have, it's really, really big. So we're doing more and more of that. For sure. So back to sort of finishing off where we started. Uh, you've been at BBDO for almost three decades, I think, at this point. What are you? Um, very old. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, but that's not yeah. where I'm going with this. Yeah, um, I've been there for 20. I've been with BBDO for 28 years in London and then here. Agency talent tends to hop around a lot. They don't always like make a home out of, you know, the first agency or, or second agency that they they work at. What is sort of what do you see as the benefits of staying in one place uh, for your career? And then what some advice you would give to talent looking to really, uh, you know, settle somewhere and rise in the organization? Um, well, maybe the simple truth is nobody else would have me. Um, <laughs> maybe that. <laughs> no. Look, I, think, I don't know about that. I think the, the most important thing to, to be aware of is the importance of continued growth. And by continued growth, what I mean is learning, constantly learning about new things. And I don't think sometimes you have to, maybe you have to move in order to have that, but I don't think you always have to. And, you know, when, when, you, when you say, oh, I've, I've been doing the job of CEO of BBDO worldwide for nearly 20 years, I have, but it's, but as we, as we said, right at the beginning of this, it really hasn't been the same job. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the changes that this business allows mm -hmm. and necessitates have created the opportunity to constantly, constantly uh, renew and, you know, something new to be curious about, something new to learn about, something new to, to, to master. That, I think, is tremendously, um, tremendously rewarding and, and energizing. Um, and, you know, my my encouragement to to anybody is just be aware of and concentrate on getting that because if if you get that uh you you will not only get better and better at what you do you will become more and more relevant but but you will actually feel more and more rewarded by what you're doing every day so to me that that's the biggest single thing and then and then the second thing is, you know, make sure you're working with people you like spending your time with, um, uh, which I have. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Okay. I'll see you in another 20 years. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to Campaign Chemistry wherever you get your podcasts and head to campaignlive.com for all the latest news on advertising and marketing.